Amen. Well, saints, um, we come tonight to this next two messages, which are messages three and four. But before we get into these messages, I'd like to just spend a few minutes to recap and to review what we had covered this morning. Uh, we saw, first of all, that the division is the all-inclusive evil, just as oneness, what? Amen. And this oneness is the master key to all God's blessing. Amen. Um, don't underestimate this. This Don't think, oh, uh, just to have some division doesn't mean anything. In fact, all of Christianity today is full of divisions. People take this for granted even to the point that they have no feeling about it. Uh, if you and I don't get along, no problem. You know, we'll just... You go your way, I go my way. No problem, right? Uh, but you must see, saints, that the division is the all-inclusive evil. Evil is the personification of God's enemy. And if we take the way of division, we will end up, you know, full of all the evil. In the, in, in the Bible, the division starts with Babel. In, in Genesis, it started with Babel, but Babel ended up with Babylon. And the Bible consummate the line of evil, you may say started with Babel and consummated with Babylon the Great. You look at the end of the, 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 the whole Bible, look into Revelation, you see the end of this line is Babylon. There's a material Babylon, and there's a religious Babylon. Amen. But you see, in the end of the Bible, this Babylon is the all-inclusive evil. It's the consummation of all God's enemies' work is in this Babylon. And it starts with Babel. So if we take the way of division, we will end up consummating with all the evil and all the work of God's enemy will be in full display. So saints, we must be so careful, so what, even fearful that we would not in the least way take any way that is other than this way of oneness. Amen. All God's work, as our brother shared with us this morning, is in the principle of oneness. Amen. Whether it be God's creation, or God's calling, or God's establishing the church, and ending in the consummation of all God's work, it is all with the character of oneness. And we saw this oneness is nothing less than the triune God mingled with us. His chosen, redeemed ones being mingled with Him, this mingling of God and man is a real oneness. Amen. Until this mingling of divinity with humanity, this is God's economy. Amen. And that is why, saints, we must not preach anything other than God's economy. Amen. We must not teach anything other than God's economy. Amen. All that we are teaching in the church life is God to be mingled with man. Amen. 
All the time we're encouraging the saints and helping the saints to enter into this one thing, and that is to be mingled with the triune God. This is the essence of the church life, because this is the oneness. The oneness is to be brought into this mingling of divinity with humanity. Saints, our highest calling is to be mingled with God. Why are we here today? What are we doing here in the church life? I tell you, saints, we are here to be mingled with God. Every day of the church life, every day of our human life, it's a day to be mingled with God. This mingling of divinity with humanity constitutes the real oneness that God so desires. And our whole weekend this weekend is to help us to see the genuine oneness is just this mingling of divinity with humanity. Short of this, we will take the way of division. We will take the way of evil. If we are short of the mingling of God with man, we automatically, we can't help it. But we will end up on this other way, the way that is called evil. Right? So we must stay in this way of the mingling all the time, pursuing this, seeking this, to be more mingled with God. Our shortage is what? We're short of being mingled with God. So our pursuit is to pursue to be more mingled mingle with God. Amen. This is our pursuit in the church life. And this is what we help one another, encourage one another all the time to enter into. The real habitation of God is a divine human constitution that comes into being by divinity being brought into humanity in being united, being joined together, right, and even being incorporated with one another. This is how the habitation of God will come into being. So today, if we are to mean business about the church life, we must take care of this one thing. We must take care of this one thing. We must not take care or we must not be distracted or turn our attention to something else. However good it may be. You know, even Babylon has some good things. Babylon is gilded with gold, right? Whereas the New Jerusalem is a city of solid gold. Don't be uh, uh, be befuddled or deceived. Oh, there's something gold there. Yes, even Babylon has some gilded or gilding of gold. There are a lot of things today among the Christians. You cannot say it is bad. We don't condemn that. But saints, if we teach anything other than God's economy, I tell you, we will end up being deviating, deviating from the way of oneness, which consummates a new Jerusalem. We will find ourselves on the other way. So we must pay our full attention all the time to God's economy, 
which is God to be mingled with us. Amen. Now, um, today we come, oh, well, this morning we also cover Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy, right? And there God had commanded his people that they must come together only in the place where God has chosen. Not our choice, but where God has chosen to put his name there. And our brother shared with us that, yes, it is, we can eat uh, the produce of the land, you know, as typifying the Old Testament, in our own gates, in our own place. But there is a certain portion that can only be eaten in the place that God has chosen. And the word is very explicit in Deuteronomy chapter 12. And what is that portion that must not be eaten in your own place? It is the top portion. It is the top portion. It is the fresh oil. It is the new wine. It is the firstborn of your bees. <laughs> in other words, the best, the top portion God has reserved. That that part is to be eaten only in the place that he has chosen. Amen. If you would neglect the church, I don't say that you cannot eat Christ everywhere. I don't say that. But surely you will miss out on the top portion. So God's word is that his people must come together in the one place where he has chosen to put his name there. Amen. You must not say it's too far, it's too inconvenient, it is too cumbersome. You must come together in the one place that God has chosen. Now, um, this word also tells us that whenever God's people come together, it should be a feast. <laughs> right? It should be a time of feasting. And all the produce of the land in the Old Testament typifies Christ. <laughs> so if we are to have a feast, we all must be laboring on Christ. All the time laboring to produce, to have produce that we can bring with us to the feast. We should not come empty-handed, but we should labor on Christ all the time with the view that the best part will be brought to be enjoyed with the saints in the place that God has chosen. This is a testimony of the church. So when people come here and observe the church meetings, they see a rich display of Christ. This is a testimony of the church. This only happens or possible is this is only possible if all the saints would take care of laboring on Christ Amen. and then coming together. Don't neglect the coming together. Amen. Coming together to do what? To share Christ one with another. Amen. To bring the top portion of the Christ that you have labored and enjoy. To come and to enjoy it and to feast on it together with all the saints. Amen. So the gathering of the Christians is a feast. Every time the Christians come together, it should be a feast. Amen. So keep the feast. Amen. Enjoy Christ. Amen. Labor on Christ. Amen. And come together to enjoy Christ. Amen. So in Deuteronomy chapter 12, you have God's commandment 
for God's people to come together this way. Tonight we come to Psalm 113, uh, 133. And these Psalms from 120 to 135, 34. These are the Psalms of Ascent. And these are the Psalms of when God's people actually obey God's word. In, in Deuteronomy chapter 12. And came together to meet in the place that God has chosen. What was it like? So chapter 12 in Deuteronomy, that was God's commandment. But in Psalm 133, you have, this, you have a description or through these Psalms of ascent, you see what it was like when God's people actually obeyed God's commandment and came together in the place that God has chosen. What was it like? You know, if you read these Psalms, you would then know what, what was the condition of God's people. What, what, what was their sentiment when they obey God's word to come together in the place that God has chosen? I mean, was it like with a long face, <laughs> dragging their feet? Oh, no, no, we got to go, you know, <laughs> again. <laughs> oh, it's so inconvenient. <laughs> but was it like that? And, and, and when they came together, were, were they talking about uh, this and that and so many things? Um, oh, uh, how, how is your son? Uh, how is your daughter? Uh, oh, is she married? Uh, oh, how is your job? <laughs> right? Um, oh, how is the... Um, are you affected by, by, by the downturn of the supply market? <laughs> are they talking about things like this? No, if you read these Psalms of Ascent, right, you read these Psalms, you see... What were their hearts filled with? When they came together, their hearts were filled with what? With the rejoicing of coming together and the rejoicing of God's house. Yeah. I think the view, the view was filled with God's house. Their hearts were like an echoing of God's heart. God so desired to have his habitation on earth with man. And that desire was reflected and echoed by these saints who came together in obeying God's word to the place where God has chosen. And with that, they're full of rejoicing over God's house. So I would encourage you to read these Psalms. And you will see this sentiment. The saints were just filled with the view of God's house. Amen. And that view, that view, that enjoyment of God's house is a real reflection and an echoing of God's heart. Amen. Because that's what God wants. God wants to have his house. God wants to have his habitation. And all the saints as they went up to make their offering to the place that God has chosen, they were just full of this kind of rejoicing. Amen. Their hearts were one with God's heart. So that is why 133, this is really the top psalm among these psalms of ascent. 
uh, that really shows us, it really shows us something concerning the oneness. In fact, in a very detailed way, it shows us something concerning the, the matter of oneness. Without this psalm, uh, we will be missing many things concerning the, 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 the vision of this, the, the oneness. So, um, now, let me just look at, at, at um, Roman numeral 1 here. You have Psalm 120 through 134. The songs of ascent reveal the preciousness of Zion and Jerusalem in the experiences and praises of the saints. These psalms are the praises of the saints and they're going up to Zion and speak of the love of the house of God in Jerusalem. Yeah. Jerusalem typifies the church and Mount Zion typifies the overcomers in the church who are for the building up of the body of Christ to consummate the new Jerusalem. You know, saints, you may say that these ones uh, uh, going up to Zion, uh, the, the ones, you know, who, uh, who are in this condition of, of this, these Psalms of Ascent, these are the real overcomers. These are the real overcomers. These are the ones on the Ascent to Mount Zion. If you look at what is expressed in these Psalms of Ascent, you see something of the heart of the overcomer. In their hearts are the highways to Zion. In other, in other words, you know, their whole being was just what? Preoccupied with God's habitation. Their whole being was occupied with the church. You know, in the New Testament, the Lord had this one saying, and the Lord quoted what, from the Old Testament, and he said, what, the zeal of your house has devoured me. <laughs> I tell you, you look at that one, one word that the Lord said this in John chapter 2, and you read the Psalms of Ascent, and you see the hearts of these overcomers they are, what, devour. Their hearts are devour by the zeal of God's house. <laughs> Their concern was for God's house. Their concern was not for their own spirituality, not for their own overcoming, but their con concern was altogether for God's house. Amen. So in their hearts was a highway to Zion. Amen which shows us that we have to take the way of the church internally and be deeply in the church life. I think this word does touch all of us, that we must not be in the church merely in an outward way. Our hearts must be consumed with the church. Deeply, we take this way not outwardly, not in a superficial way, but our whole being is consumed by this way. Amen. We just care for this one thing so deeply that God would have his expression on the earth, Amen. that the church would be built up, Amen. that there would be Zion. Amen. This is our heart. 
This is the heart of the overcomers. In their hearts is the highway to Zion. Now, um, one last point here that I'd like to, 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 to say a few words. We're not, not going to try to cover all the points here. Huh? Um, and the last point is point F, and that is the blessing comes from Zion, from the highest peak of God's mountain, from those who have attained to the position of the overcomers. <laughs> if you are one who so cares for the church, whose heart, in whose heart is the highway of Zion. And your whole living is for the church, for God's habitation. Surely, you will be a blessing to the church. Amen. The blessing comes from Zion. Amen. The blessing comes from Zion. The Lord bless you out of Zion. Amen. Every church, the blessing to that church are the overcomers. Those who take this way of caring for God's habitation. Um, now, go on to Psalm 133. This is a very short psalm of only four verses. Right? Or oh, three verses. Three verses. Um, and, 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 and in this psalm here, it begins with, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is. How good. <laughs> how pleasant. <laughs> so good that we don't know what to say except how good. <laughs> right? So pleasant that we can only say how pleasant. <laughs> I think we all can testify, saints, that church life is good and pleasant. Amen. There is no place on the earth so good and so pleasant as the church life. Amen. I see, you know, many of us, we've been in the church life for many years, for decades. <laughs> Have we gotten tired of the church life? No. <laughs> right? We say today after, you know, 30 years or 40 years or however many years, we still say, how good, Amen. how pleasant, Amen. how good, Amen. how pleasant. Amen. Many things have changed, right? I mean, Paul, we were students together. <laughs> we were going to school today. You know, even our kids are done with school. <laughs> so, many, so many things have changed, right? But we still say, thank the Lord. Amen. After all these years, we still say the church life is how good and how pleasant. Amen. I do believe our sentiment and the intensity of our enjoyment of the church life today has not the least been not the least bit diminished. <laughs> After all these years, it is not the least bit diminished or declined. <laughs> Something would be really wrong, you know, if your enjoyment of the church life has declined. You know, uh, today, oh, 
I wish it was as good as 1975. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> you know, to say, for you to say that, that means you have not gone on. You surely are not an overcomer. <laughs> I don't know whether today is 1975 or 2005 or what. We just know how good, Amen. how pleasant Amen. the church life that I'm in today Amen. is how good Amen. and how pleasant. Amen. Forget about the past. I, I also know, you know, some saints might have um, had times of difficulty, you know, in the past. You might have been discouraged. You know, you might have not met with the church for many years. Forget it. Don't dwell in that. Today, you're in the church life. Today, you can say, how good, how pleasant. Thank the Lord that the Lord has recovered us. Even if we had, you know, had moments of weakness, the Lord has recovered us, brought us back to the church life, where it is good and pleasant. It is good. Amen. And that goodness is described as the fine oil upon the head that ran down upon the beard, upon Aaron's beard. So the, how good? That goodness is portrayed by the anointing on Aaron's head that runs down to the skirts of his garment. And how pleasant, and that pleasantness is described or portrayed by the dew of Hermon that came down upon the mountains of Zion. So the anointing and the dew portrays how good and how pleasant. Here, you have two pictures. One is Aaron, a person, and the other is the mountains of Zion, a place, a person and a place. These two points show us two aspects of the church. On one hand, the church is the one new man. It is a person. <laughs> and in Aaron, in this person, which includes a head with a body, we are shown something of the universal aspect of the church, the body of Christ. But in the place, the place of the mountains of Zion, the mountains of Zion show us a picture of the local churches. <laughs> there is one Zion, and yet that one Zion has many mountains. <laughs> I don't know how that is to be, but that is the word. <laughs> There is one Zion, but there are many mountains. So today, there is one body of Christ, and yet that one body of Christ is expressed in many local churches. Amen. That tells us, saints, we have to be in the reality of the body of Christ. And we have to be practically in the local churches. Amen. You cannot have one without the other. Don't be in the local churches 
and yet not have be or, or yet not be in the reality of the body of Christ. What is that reality? I tell you, that reality is nothing less than what we shared this morning of the mingling of divinity with humanity. That reality of the body of Christ is simply Christ. Who is himself a mingling of divinity with humanity. <laughs> and this one has been processed and enlarged and propagated into all of us that we all could also be in the mingling of divinity and humanity. Amen. I tell you, this is the reality of the body of Christ. If you are in the church, you must be in the church this way. You're in the church in what way? You're in the church in the way of mingling. You're in the church in the way of God being added to you. This is the reality of the body of Christ. Now, on the other side, you cannot say, oh, I'm in the reality of the body of Christ. I don't need the local churches. You know, I just do my own thing. <laughs> I have my private mingling <laughs> this is against God's word God's word is that we must come together in the place where he has chosen so you have to be in the reality of the body of Christ you also have to come together with the saints in the local churches so the meetings of the church is something that we must not neglect. Do not neglect the gathering together of the saints. <laughs> we have to come together to the meetings in a regular way because it is only, what, in the mountains of Zion that you have the descending dew. So, now, we'll spend... Uh, some time in this message on these two aspects. The aspect of the anointing, which is upon Aaron's head, the head of Aaron, and it spreads to the whole body. There's one point here, um, which is Roman numeral 2.c. <coughs> the genuine oneness is constituted of the spreading ointment and the descending dew for the gradual building up of Christ's body in the divine dispensing of the divine trinity. This is a very crucial point, saints. Uh, this ointment, this spreading ointment and this descending dew, in fact, they constitute the genuine oneness. How is the genuine oneness constituted? Or how does the genuine oneness come about? That genuine oneness is constituted by the spreading ointment and the descending dew. Amen. If we are to have the genuine oneness in the church life, we must be in the spreading ointment and we must be in the descending dew. Amen. That is the way. 
for us to have the genuine oneness. Stay in the spreading ointment. <laughs> Don't worry. If you have no ointment, just come and it will spread to you. <laughs> right? Just come and be in the church. And you'll experience the ointment spreading. Or if you're dry, you need to come to the mountains of Zion. And here you will have the descending dew. And as long as we're in the spreading ointment and the descending dew, we have the genuine oneness. Amen. I tell you, saints, there is no genuine oneness possible if we have no anointing and we have dry and we have no dew. If we have no dew, there's no oneness. We have no ointment, there's no oneness. All the time, the church life must, what, have these two things. With the ointment and the dew, which together constitutes the genuine oneness. You stay in this anointing, you stay in this descending dew, don't worry about it. You'll be one. <laughs> You'll be in the genuine oneness. Now, this oneness, I mean this ointment or this fine oil, you know, of course the oneness in the Bible, I, I mean the, the anointing in the Bible refers to the compound spirit. We must all the time not forget Exodus chapter 30. Whenever we talk about the ointment, we come back to Exodus chapter 30. And this passage in chapter 30 of Exodus tells us how is the anointing made. Um, the anointing is a compound. It is not a pure substance. <laughs> you start with maybe this pure substance, which is a hint of olive oil, but you must compound into that oil four spices. And these four spices, together, they show us a picture of two things. Death and resurrection. The first two spices, <coughs> which is myrrh and cinnamon, in typology speak to the death of Christ and the sweetness of his death. And the last two spices, which is uh, acacia and calamus, these two speak to the resurrection and the power of his resurrection. Amen. And of course, the oil, that hint of olive oil, speak to the Spirit of God. Amen. So, that Spirit of God, that hint of olive oil, needs to be compounded with these four spices, which in typology come about because God has become man. Because God was incarnated. 
And in his incarnation, he went through death and resurrection. In death, he terminated the old creation. And in resurrection, he germinated the new creation. This is what Christ did. And today, in the spirit of Jesus Christ, not only do you have divinity, but you also have humanity with all the accomplishment that Christ in his humanity has gone through. So when we say we take the spirit today, we are talking about the spirit which is compounded with divinity and humanity. And with all that Christ has accomplished in his incarnation through death and resurrection. This is why we have that word in John chapter 7 about the Spirit being not yet. How can you say that? The Spirit of God was always there. Well, that refers to this compound Spirit. The Spirit of God which has been compounded with the works of Christ, which is mainly death and resurrection in his incarnation. So today, what does this Spirit do to us? If we say we enjoy the Spirit, what do we get? Well, you get divinity. You get death. You get resurrection. This is what we get when we enjoy the Spirit. And only because Christ had passed through death and resurrection can this divinity now be dispensed into us. So in a real sense, you may say, if the Spirit of God was merely that hint of olive oil, it could never be applied to man. But only that compound spirit, then that, oil, that compound spirit becomes the anointing, which means God being applied to man. The anointing is what? The anointing is God being applied to man. And this is made possible by the work of Christ in his death and resurrection. So when you enjoy the Spirit today, you enjoy divinity, but you also enjoy death, the death of the cross, the termination, the all-inclusive termination of all the negative things And you also enjoy resurrection and the power of resurrection that overcomes death and brings forth or germinates the new creation. This is all in one, what, package. You cannot say, I don't like part of it. (laughs) Right? You say, oh, I like divinity. (laughs) I just take olive oil. (laughs) I don't want those spices. (laughs) Well, can't do that. Can't do that. That's not the anointing. That is not how God is applied to man. You want to take divinity? 
you must also take death and resurrection. Amen. This is the compound ointment. You know, I see some uh, um, kids, you know, they're very picky with their food. And they eat something and they spit something out. You know, even they eat chocolate. Chocolate, in the chocolate is an almond. <laughs> oh, I don't like almond. <laughs> it's either chocolate, spit out the almond. <laughs> well, with the anointing, you don't have this choice. <laughs> you don't have this choice. It's compounded. <laughs> it's mango. <laughs> so, you take divinity, you take it with death and resurrection. Amen. So here, dear saints, it, it's a very, in, in a real way, it, it's, um, it's a, there's a lot of God speaking here. That if we are to have the genuine oneness, we must take the divinity with the death and resurrection. Amen. Surely, the oneness involves the cross. Without the cross, how can there be the oneness? You know, if we come together as a church, you with your natural disposition, me with my natural disposition, how can there be the oneness? It will be a disaster. <laughs> so we always say at the door of the church is the cross. The picture is in the tabernacle. At the door of the tabernacle is this brass altar. Who gets to come into the tabernacle? Only what it passes through the altar. <laughs> who, is, who gets to come into the church? Only those who are crossed out. <laughs> if there is no crossing out, there's no church. There's no oneness. We just come together. We do our own thing. We, we, we have our own ideas. I feel the church is the most crossing out place. And if we are to remain in the church life and to what to be in God's building all the time we have to experience the cross Amen. we have to be crossed out thank the Lord thank the Lord that we can be crossed out Amen. our preferences should be crossed out Amen. you know I tell you saints I um, you sometimes you know with the brothers uh, take care of these conferences. You know, one thing I learned, uh, well, the brothers would say, what message would you take? I, I have no preference. I never choose. Like even this time, James told me, <laughs> I take two and four. <laughs> you know, at first I thought, well, you know, I really have some feeling about one. Doesn't matter. <laughs> don't don't treasure your preference so much. 
You know, don't esteem your, your, your own view so much. We have to enjoy the spirit in which is the cross. I tell you, in this one thing, in this one thing, I mean, every conference I tell you, in this one thing, I practice whatever the brothers say. Whatever the brothers say. Whatever message, just, it's okay. <laughs> doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> we just enjoy the spirit. We must not care for our natural preferences or, 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 or what we consider to be a better way. You know, we heard about you know, this one uh, church that the elders just argue about what color to paint the, you know, the meeting hall. Well, you think it really matters? <laughs> you know, whether this is I don't even know what you call this. <laughs> Green, this gray, whatever. It doesn't matter. But these are all opportunities for us to enjoy the Spirit with the cross. It is for us to enjoy the Spirit with the myrrh and the cinnamon. We have to praise the Lord that the Spirit today, as the anointing, is a compound ointment. In this is the death, and with the death is the resurrection. The church is all together in resurrection. And resurrection comes only after death. (laughs) And both death and resurrection are in the Spirit. So you enjoy the Spirit, you enjoy death and resurrection. You enjoy death and resurrection. And the church comes into being. And the oneness is maintained and strengthened by all the saints enjoying this ointment. This ointment is first on the head, which is Christ. But it spreads to all the members. It is a spreading ointment. It spreads, you know, it just spreads even to the skirts of the garment, even the lowest gets to enjoy the ointment. The church should be such a place. And I say again, what is the anointing? The anointing is God being applied to man. So what is the church full of? The church is full of God being applied to man. The oneness is constituted by God being applied to man. God being applied to our being, that constitutes a genuine oneness. So we must pay our full attention to this all the time. Take care of God being applied to your being. All the time to take care of God being added to you. Or... In, in some of the messages, we use the word God being, or the anointing, being painted into you. The anointing is kind of like painting, right? Like, like painting. Just layer after layer, something is painted onto you. That is how God is added to us. 
Thank the Lord for the anointing. <laughs> right? Thank the Lord for the anointing. This is how the oneness is preserved. Now, um, there's this word here in B that says, the ground of oneness is the process triune God, triune God applied to our being. This is Roman numeral 3B. The ground of oneness is the process triune God applied to our being. Uh, the more the compound ointment is applied to our being, the more difficult it is for us to be divided. As we are painted with this ointment, our natural constitution, temperament, and dispositions are reduced, and what remains is the mingling of the process triune God with our uplifted humanity. This is the genuine oneness. Amen. We have problem with the oneness because we are short of God being applied to our being. If you have God applied to your being, the more you have God being applied to your being, the more difficult it is for us to be divided. You can't even be divided. It depends, you know, whether all the saints would practice this, right? Um, now, this compound ointment, this according to Exodus chapter 30, is to be applied to what? To the tabernacle? It is to be applied to the ark? It is to be applied to all the furniture of the tabernacle, including the lampstand, the table, right? And the, 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 the two altars, um, they all have to, and, and the labor, right? They all have to have the uh, anointing being applied to them. You know, all these furniture in the tabernacle, they are pictures of our experience in Christ. You know, what, what does the, 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 the altar you know, for example, show us. The altar is where we experience Christ as all the offerings. Right? Um, in other words, the anointing, this compound ointment being applied to all the furniture shows us, saints, that all our experience of Christ comes from the anointing. In other words, the real genuine oneness comes from our experience of Christ. Amen. You need to experience Christ all the time subjectively as the offerings which God has prepared for us to meet all our needs. You need to experience Christ as the burnt offering, experience Christ as the meal offering, Amen. and so forth, right? You have to experience Christ as the labor that washes you Amen. from all the defilements. Amen. Right? Amen. You have to experience Christ as a showbread. The bread that nourishes you. And you have to experience Christ as the, the lampstand. The light that what shines, enlightens you, and exposes you. Right? 
And you have to experience Christ as a praying one at the golden incense altar. Where the, uh, uh, the incense is mingled with the prayer of the saints to ascend to God the Father. And you have to experience Christ as the ark of the testimony. Christ as the embodiment of God. Right? And Christ in, 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 and, and in the ark in which, you know, is a hidden manna with a golden pot. In other words, you have to experience the divine human incorporation. All these things are what we get when we have the anointing. When we have the ointment, we have a rich experience of Christ. Amen. So when the saints share, you know, in the meeting, it is rich. <laughs> it is just rich. No, don't, don't think this depends on certain ones. Huh? Of course it helps, you know, to have some saints who are very exercised, you know, or who are, you know, more... Uh, mature in life, but but this should be you know to all the saints, Amen. to all the saints. I, in recent months, have been spending a lot of time in a very small church in England. Um, the meetings would be thirty people. If I mean thirty people would be. <laughs> If we have 30 people in the meeting, we'll all rejoice. <laughs> Sometimes as few as, you know, 15 or, or you know, 20. Um, but I can tell you, saints, um, every time I leave that meeting, every time I leave that meeting feeling just fed with Christ. Amen. Sometimes, you know, I even leave the meeting and kind of scratch my head. You know, this is really strange because there's, there's nobody very impressive there. <laughs> the number is small. There's nobody really impressive. <laughs> you know? It, 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 it's, um, it's hit me like this, you know, a number of times leaving that meeting. Just, wow, I just scratched my head. <laughs> there's so much Christ being displayed here. Amen. And I'm so fed. I'm so fed. You know, I'm so fed. Well, saints, if all, all the saints remain in the anointing Amen. of God being applied to their being, to whatever degree, when we come together, we truly will have the enjoyment Amen. and the feasting together that God has commanded us to have in Deuteronomy chapter 12. Uh, then there's one more point here that says, oh, that the bountiful, the bountiful supply of the Spirit comes to us through the body. For the anointing is not upon us, not upon us individually, but it's upon the body. This is Philippians 1.19, which we read, right? So the, uh, the, the, bountiful, uh, the, the, the bountiful supply of the Spirit, you know, Paul says, this will turn to my salvation what, through your prayer Amen. and through the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Amen. Christ. But first, he said, through your prayer. That supply comes through the body. 
And of course, you know, the spirit is the bountiful supply, but even that bountiful supply comes through the body. If we cut ourselves from the body, we cut ourselves from the bountiful supply. Unless we submit to the body, one cannot receive the anointing. We cannot have the anointing if we do not recognize the body. Now, then the final point in this message says that the compound spirit, the consummated spirit, as the element of our oneness, is the divine and mystical realm. You know, this realm um, is, is really what the Lord talked about that He wants to bring us into. You know, in John 17, He says, you know, the, the Father's in me, I'm in the Father. But He wants, oh, this is on John 14, but, but He says that He wants us to be one even as He is. Amen. Right? As He and the Father are. Uh, that is a realm that Christ was in. Amen. In His co-inhering and in His mutual dwelling with the Father, it is in that, to that realm that He also wants to bring us. Amen. And the divine, that divine and mystical realm is just the compound spirit. The process triune God who is today the pneumatic Christ is this divine and mystical realm. And it is in this realm that we should have our being. You know, a realm is what? It's a sphere in which you have your being. And that sphere has some demarcation from other spheres. Right? There is this realm that is called the divine and mystical realm which is the pneumatic Christ, which is God, the process, triune God, becoming the Spirit, entering into us, and we being brought into Him, this mutual abode, this is this divine and mystical realm. It is in this Spirit that we need to have our being. Saints, so to say to have our being is something more than what, or perhaps even more descriptive than saying that uh, you just need to enjoy the Lord. <laughs> yes, but you need to be in this realm and have your whole being in this realm. Constantly. Right? Constantly you would be in this divine and mystical realm. Um, I know, saints, we're all learners. We're all learners together. <laughs> Sometimes we enjoy the Lord. You know, we are in the Lord's presence. We're in this wonderful, divine, and mystical realm. And then something happened. And boom, we're, <laughs> we're, we're out of it. <laughs> right? We're just out of it. We're just out of it, right? And uh, so we need to take the blood. Amen. We need to take Christ as the offerings Amen. to bring us back into the Spirit. <laughs> back into this divine and mystical realm. Amen. 
oh, things happen, things just happen, right? Uh, probably always use the example of your wife or your children. Uh, things just happen. <laughs> that cause us to be, to be out of it. <laughs> to, to leave this divine and mystical realm. So we are no longer in the compound spirit. We're no longer in the pneumatic Christ. We're just somewhere else. We're in the flesh. We're in our disposition. You know, we're in our self-righteousness. We're in the self-justifications. I think all this tells us, saints, we have to come back. <laughs> we have to come back to this divine and mystical realm. This is the genuine oneness. It's, it, is, it is in this realm. Now, let's move on to uh, outline or message four. And this is the second part of Psalm 133. So the first part is the uh, ointment on Aaron's head that runs down to the hem of his garment. And then the second part is the dew of Hermon. This oneness is likened to the dew of Hermon that came down upon the mountains of Zion. Now, the dew here speaks to what? It's a type of the grace of life. The dew is the, it's a type of our enjoying Christ as the grace of life. Christ who is our life is grace to us. <laughs> You know, the word, the New Testament is full of grace. You read the New Testament, it's full of grace. All the books, so much speaks of grace. You know, the New Testament doesn't speak so much about extraordinary power. You know, today some Christians are into this power, like by that they mean miraculous power, extraordinary power. You know, power to heal people or power to, you know, get you, or, 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 or perhaps uh, feelings, you know, get you feel really high. Get really, you know, uh, um, uh, what? Uh, exhilarated. The, the New Testament doesn't speak so much of those things. But rather, the New Testament speaks a lot about grace. It starts, you know, with when the Word became flesh and tabernacle amongst us, and that was full of grace and reality. So that, from the very outset, tells us grace is what? It's God becoming flesh and tabernacling amongst us. When Christ came, grace came. Right? When Christ came, grace came. So grace is just Christ. And then Paul said something like, um, Paul said, you know, I labor more abundantly, but yet, but not me, but the grace of God which is with me. What is that? What is that? That means grace is, is Christ 
living in Paul, being his life, being his life supply. And who grace is Christ to be enjoyed by us as our life and our life supply, enabling us to live a life which is Christ. <laughs> this is grace. We can live a life on earth which is Christ. So Paul said, for me to live is Christ. That living one is just grace being enjoyed by Paul. He can be to you what you are not. He can be to you what you are short of. To experience Christ in this way is to experience grace. You're short of what? Patience? You're short of long-suffering? Or you're short of meekness? Well, you need to enjoy Christ as grace so that Christ becomes long-suffering to you. Christ becomes meekness to you. Christ become the forbearance to you. Amen. You know this matter of forbearance, uh, well, maybe we'll share more in, 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 in some of the messages. Um, it is it's very much to do with grace. <laughs> if we have no grace, we have no forbearance. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll try to exact the last bit <laughs> out of, you know, others because we have this view that it's rightly due to us. <laughs> it's only by enjoying Christ's grace, Amen. He becoming the life and the life supply to us, that He can be to us what we are not. Amen. That we can live a life that is impossible for the human to live without Christ. <laughs> this is grace. <laughs> Uh, and, and you know the dew here is, is, a, is something that comes down from Hermon it's called the dew of Hermon and Hermon in typology is the highest point it signifies the heavens uh, saints I, I just feel we, we, we all have to see something here that the grace comes from the highest one. <laughs> the dew coming from Hermon corresponds to the New Jerusalem where the flow comes from the throne. If you're not under the throne of God, you do not have the water of life. If you're not under the rule of the heavens, you do not have the dew. I can only say this much, saints. We all the time have to have a, a, even a fear. You know what the Old Testament calls a fear of Jehovah. That there is the heavens and heaven's rule. And we are here to submit to him so that we can enjoy him. So that we can have the dew. 
Now, if in the church life, let's say if the leading ones would not take this way, if you consider yourself the highest one, surely that church has no due. Do you understand what I'm saying? You must see the dew comes not from you. The dew comes from Herman. <laughs> the dew comes from the heavens. <laughs> we are nothing. When you are nothing, grace comes to you. <laughs> when you consider yourself something, you have no dew. When we are nothing, oh, we can't do so much? Well, Christ comes to us as the dew, as the grace to enable us, to strengthen us, and even to be what we need for us. <laughs> I think this is grace. <laughs> um, this somewhat goes along with this point that we need to treasure God's blessing. Um, because in this point, uh, in, 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 um, in Psalm 133, uh, it says, For there Jehovah commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Um, and we have the point in Roman numeral 4, under the anointing oil and the watering dew, we experience the commanded blessing of life on the ground of oneness. We need to treasure God's blessing and realize that in God's wor work, everything depends on His blessing. As we dwell together in the genuine oneness, we experience and enjoy God's eternal life commanded by Him as a blessing to us. The divine life may be considered the first and basic attribute of God. Life is the content of God and the flowing out of God. God's content is God's being, and God's flowing out is the impartation of Himself as life to us. Life is the process and consummated triumph God dispensed into us and living in us. So, you know, this point here, saints, you know, I, I think we all have been impressed by this, that where there is the oneness, God commands the blessing. This goes back to the first message where it says the oneness is the master key to God's blessing. It's the master key. If you don't have God's blessing, you labor in vain. You labor in vain. If you have God's blessing, you just have the enjoyment. You have the grace. You have the life. You have the increase of Christ. I've seen so many Christians, saints, who think they can do something. Who thinks they can do something. Uh, at the end, all that they do is nothing but nothing. <laughs> or worse yet, some kind of tearing down. All the ones that feel they can do something are the ones who have no respect and sense no need for God's blessing. 
They think that what matters is what they do. So, you know, um, in, in the, the example or, or, or the, 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 the Lord's doing in, in the Gospels, when he fed the 5,000, he took the loaves and the fish and he looked up to heaven and he blessed it. I tell you, that one word is so profound. It must control all our service to the Lord. It must control all our service to the Lord and, and all our living in the church life. Don't look at yourself. Don't look at what you can do. Look up to the heavens. You have to look to the Lord. You have to tell the Lord you are nothing. You have nothing. And you can do nothing. You need Him. You need His blessing. You need Him to be life. I'm very burdened for this one point, saints. If in your life there is no Herman, there is no dew. Just like if there is no throne, there is no river. And if there is no blessing from God, all that you do is just worthless. Worthless. So much of the desolation of the church comes from someone feeling he can do something. And when you feel you can do something, you omit or you neglect the blessing of God. Rather, I would say, saints, all the time we have to have this, this attitude toward the Lord. We are nothing. When you know, when you have this view, you're nothing, you wouldn't insist on your view. You wouldn't damage the oneness by pushing, <laughs> insisting, right? Or things must be a certain way according to what pleases you. <laughs> you would respect the brothers. You would esteem the oneness more important than anything else. <laughs> you can sacrifice your preference but you cannot sacrifice the oneness. You can sacrifice what you think is the best way of doing things, but you would not sacrifice the oneness. Because you know God's blessing is here. And this is a master key to God's blessing. And without God's blessing, you have nothing. You have nothing. You can do nothing. <laughs> All your attempts and all your labors would amount to nothing. In fact, in one of the Psalms of Ascent, there's that verse that says, you know, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. <laughs> right? That's one of the Psalms of Ascent. You would have this fear of God or the fear of Jehovah. If you read Isaiah chapter 11, you'll see uh, one, one of the outstanding points of Christ 
is that no man feared God like he did. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 11, uh, uh, verse 2, And the Spirit of Jehovah will rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of Jehovah. He, he will delight in the fear of Jehovah. He will neither judge by what his eyes see, nor decide by what his ears hear. You see, you know, this is a description of Christ in his incarnation. One of the outstanding character of the humanity of Christ is this fear of Jehovah. If we have this fear of offending the Lord, of offending his blessing, of offending the oneness of the, the brothers, it will be a... Uh, 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 preserving it will be a, uh, a safekeeping to us that we would not deviate from this way of the oneness we must see that all that we do in the church life depends on the Lord's blessing Amen. and that the, way, the oneness is the master key to all God's blessing Amen. where there is God's blessing there's life forever. <laughs> life forever. The life supply in the church never runs out. Where there is the oneness, the life supply never runs out. We've been meeting together for how many years now? Have we run out? <laughs> Have we run out of our enjoyment of Christ? <laughs> Have we run out of the light from the Word? I tell you, today, the Word is still living. Amen. Today, the, Lord, the Word is still full of light. Amen. It enlightens our being. All this says, saints, we are under the Lord's blessing. Amen. We must be so jealous and so careful to safeguard the Lord's blessing so that we all would be kept in the way of life. Amen. So that the church life would be an enjoyment of life. So saints, um, we now have, you know, uh, covered all the points, you know, of this Psalm 133, which tells us that the oneness is, in fact, this anointing. It, this oneness, in fact, is constituted by this anointing and by this dew. By God being applied to our being, and by our enjoying Christ as the life, as the life supply, and as everything to us. <laughs> this is how the oneness is preserved. And this is how we will have a wonderful church life that we all can say, how good <laughs> and how pleasant. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Now let's have uh, 20 minutes of sharing. Amen. Amen. I, th I, think, I think we all enjoy the sharing this morning so much that let's continue.